0: clubs that are focused on 60 plus year old white men that's niche <laughs> not 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 me so like i i just think that you know we've, we've got to just like look at the numbers take a step back and realize that a lot of those arguments are made to continue to discourage folks to get in the game and they're not based in any sort of reality
1: if you believe we can change the narrative if you believe we can change our communities if you believe we can change the outcomes then we can change the world I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me uh, is Ryan Wilson, who was the co-founder of The Gathering Spot. It's a it's a space. It's a space where uh, African-Americans can get together, talk shop, talk entrepreneurship, grow and network. Ryan, good to have you on the show. Good to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, no problem, man. So,
0: you know, you started The Gathering Spot, what, five years ago? So we, we've been open five years in Atlanta, but the process to start TGS really has been going on uh, eight years or so. It took me took me three years of of just working on the business. Um, out of I, the, we started out of my apartment in, in Washington D.C., and so that was a three year long journey before we we actually opened. Before you even
1: open the sorry, like t- walk us through that process because people say yes, you opened five years ago, but there was three years before that
0: yeah, process no, I mean, even it, started. It, it, <laughs> it's funny, I mean, you know, folks, folks talk about you know, businesses uh, coming about overnight, and it's like at night, but but not, not overnight uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, our, our journey started in the summer of 2013, so I was doing a lot of community organizing work in DC. Uh, to make a long story short. After George Zimmerman was acquitted of Trayvon Martin's murder, I got an email from some friends that said, hey, what are we going to do? And I responded back to them with the idea of starting TGS. Uh, for, for me, yes, physical space was important, but we're really in the community business more than anything else. Right. And what I responded back to them uh, with was an idea about community and how I thought that we could utilize that moment to, uh, to come together sent that email to one of my college roommates, who is now my business partner, TK. And we started working in my apartment every night on trying to figure out how to bring the business together while I finished up my law degree. And he finished- uh, <laughs> You were in law school job. doing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny- I'm also a lawyer thing.
1: too. What year were you doing this in law school, man?
0: So uh, I started this right after my 1L year. So <laughs> I had all of 2L and all of 3L all um, while I was working on the, on the company. But- it was i it was surprising in in, in one sense because I had always planned on being a lawyer. i went to georgetown for undergrad uh for preparation to to eventually go to law school. I didn't know that i was going to stay at georgetown um for for law school but i did and um the you know the the idea that the t g s uh, kind of came in the middle of that process is still a little bit surprising to me. <laughs> well, but you and I, I both recovery lawyers. That's <laughs> it's funny. I didn't know. I didn't even
1: realize you and I had so much in common. Uh, I started the first college chapter, of the NAACP, at the University of Cincinnati. Um, a lot of my spark came from my parents, but there was a, there was a really uh, critical time too because the city of Cincinnati had uh, had racial uh, uprisings uh, yep. too. And you, you, if you remember, if you go back to when was that two thousand one. I was I was the president I was the president of the NAACP at that time. We were leading the a lot of movements and protests because Absolutely. they shot an unarmed <laughs> police shot an unarmed African Timothy Thomas. That was his name. Say his name. That was his name. He was shot and killed for simply being black and pulling up his pants, and he got shot and killed. Uh, he was wanted for traffic, for, for traffic tickets. Yeah. Right. I mean, so you and I, I just say all that you and I were covering lawyers. I'm curious to since you were a lawyer, w- My question to you is, what advice would you give your younger self thinking of yourself as a lawyer? I became a lawyer because I wanted to help understand policy to change the law because I was also a community organizer. But speaking to your younger self at that time, as you're starting the business, uh, George Zimmerman was just acquitted for the murder of Trayvon Martin. Uh, What advice would you give your younger self looking looking back now and what advice would you ignore?
0: Uh, the advice that I would give myself is that look it's it's never never too young to start. I had to get over that that hurdle mentally. And I think, you know, in entrepreneurship that a lot of times is the is the first major thing that you uh have to tackle, which is really just getting past yourself. And and the, and, and, <laughs> it uh, is. and and self self doubt about uh what what's what's doable. Um And you always got to think opposite. After you like a yeah. lawyer because a lawyer
1: like the reason why I don't I I think like a lawyer. Last, I tell people yeah. because lawyers, how they how they how they train you is all the risk to see to assess everything that could go
0: wrong. If
1: you're an entrepreneur, you never you never get off the damn ground you'll be thinking
0: <laughs> of everything go wrong. I mean, it, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Law is about trying to reason to to the best outcome, but it has a conservative uh, to me at least perspective on how you how you get there. Um, this was this was the exact opposite. I mean, being an entrepreneur is like running towards a brick wall, fully knowing that the wall is there, and just believing that somehow you won't go splat, and the wall will continue to back up as, <laughs> as you, uh, you you move you move forward. And wow, so no, I love different. that, statement. It's like
1: you're going towards a brick wall, and you're hoping that you just don't, you know, destroy right. yourself. Like, so did you ever feel like you ran up against the brick wall during this process?
0: Uh, yeah, I've 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 been. I was going to say inches, whatever, whatever's shorter than that. I mean, we, 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 um, we faced a lot of challenges. I mean, you, you asked me the question, you know, what would I ignore? I, I would ignore the people early on. Um, again, we, I'm fortunate that, you know, we, we did this. I would ignore the folks that said no. I mean, there were 97 people that said no before the first person said yes uh, to invest. And what was also happening during that time was that the amount of money that we needed to raise was, was changing. At first we thought it was a million dollars. Then we thought it was two ended up being over 3 million that we needed in our first round. And I mean, we were, we were, we were inches away from that brick wall. I mean, truly for years, right. Where it was um, I remember one time someone asked me, you know, what, what's your burn rate? And I looked at them, and I wanted to to cry because we didn't have a burn rate we had we needed to go and figure out how to make money this week to survive right We' we'll be out of business right so the business has been profitable since inception, but the business had to be profitable because we didn't have the resources um to 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 burn early on interesting interesting so you're
1: you're at that brick wall, you feel like that moment you're at that let, let's go to no number ninety when you're feeling at that time, right? Because I'm, I, I like to take people through this process, and and you know I, I feel like I go through this process a lot too. <laughs> so like I, I, I feel like I, I'm I've been at your stage, I'm at your stage again, Um, and because to me it's not linear. So how do you walk us through when you're at your ninetieth or ninety fourth, and your approach to doing the pitch? Like how did you go about not first of all, getting past yourself and not just being discouraged. That's a lot. People could say it's easy to do, but it is not. Like, and then what was your, did you learn anything from, okay, how can I approach this better? Am I, am I approaching the right people? Do I need to improve my methods? Like talk about when you were on that right inches from killing yourself on that that wall. We were
0: definitely getting better at the pitches um, as time went on. I mean, I, I will say when we started that, that, that process, We weren't very good at articulating what the business was and we certainly were not good at articulating how we were going to to drive a return on folks investment to us early it was like we we were very concept driven we wanted to talk to you about our passion for what we were doing and that's all well and good but i would encourage any entrepreneur to get uh, very very well acquainted with your model to be able to explain it to folks in a way that gives them confidence that they're going to get their money back as simple as that sounds, that wasn't something that we put on the table early in conversations or demonstrated a command of. Right, and it, I think it led to folks not having um, the the sort of belief in some of some instances. Now, in others, I felt like we did a really good job. And as we got kind of down the stretch, we were doing doing uh, well there, y'all. The the thing about this more than anything, when you're pitching, um, is that you've got to get into the mindset that. It is it is really the investor that is crazy, not you. Mm, I start good. to hunt for those no's because to me, the more the investor that's crazy, not you. I like this. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the reason why I looked at it that way is that if you look at anything disruptive, almost by definition, folks do not or should not understand what you're talking about early. If they get it fast then they probably have seen it before and you've got to figure out how to differentiate yourself in a, in a different way. But if you're getting like hard nose and folks saying that just absolutely doesn't make sense. Yeah. Those are the opportunities that really end up becoming meaningful because again, folks haven't seen it before and you're right. Then, then you're uh, you're creating something that will drive real value. So I, we collectively as a team had convinced ourselves of that. And when folks would tell us, no, it was not a we weren't seeing it, but like they weren't seeing it and they would regret later. I'm proud mm. to say that now, years after you know we went through that part of the journey, several of those people have come back and said, you saw something that that I couldn't see. Right. We're the largest city club in Atlanta like awesome. of any category. Right. And if you go back to those conversations, folks were telling me that there was no way that we would even make it like through the first couple of months. So you almost need those no's in order yeah. to, to really be on to a bigger yes, is how we we, uh, we framed it.
1: And your membership centers on black folks, right? It's not, I, I'm sure. So because yes. I've heard this too, because as, as we walk through, my platform is going to feature black and brown artists and creators. And I've got some pushback, like, well, is there enough dollars there to support that? I'm sure you heard that, too. Right. So walk me through when you had those conversations like will black people invest in other black people? Will people of color invest in other people of color? Walk me through those conversations with people because you're also helping me give me my motivation for uh, for 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 the day. i like to hear what what you said. This
0: this this uh, this notion that you can't have a business that's supported on black and brown folks is, is like it's beyond ridiculous. And we have to start to call it that. The, the, if the if you look at the numbers, right, forget my feelings about this, but just really look at the numbers and understand where I live in Atlanta. I would argue that our greatest export is our culture more than anything else. So if you believe that I'm right in that we export more of our culture than anything, we're the culture capital of the U.S. If, if that's true, right, that's driven by black culture, which is kind of you could kind of view through the prism of hip hop. If hip hop, if you look by the numbers, is the number one genre of music in the world. Almost by definition, again, engaging black people or black culture is not niche at all. It's engaged. Like when I was growing up, there were pop stars like I, I grew up in there. There were legit, you know, like people who were seen as as mainly white uh, pop uh, pop music musicians. Sure. You don't have that, that anymore. The biggest artists in the world are people like Drake and Lil yeah. Baby and the Migos and Cardi B. Right. And so what do they engage in? Black culture. So this idea that we're we are somehow um, playing to a small audience when the biggest companies in the world are yeah. consistently trying to uh, capture that same audience is, is just absolutely ridiculous. And we have to stop talking about it that way.
1: And the key is we're not Cat Ryan. The key is we're not capturing the equity that we bring in. Like equity flows through us, not to us. And that's what, and that's what I appreciate about the gathering spot. It's, it's flipping the model back to where it should be. Like we need to invest in us and understand yeah. the value that we are
0: generating and creating. At we absolutely do but we have to also while we're doing that understand that like coca-cola and Nike and any company that you that you could imagine right now they are trying to get to the audience that other folks are trying to tell you is small that yep. makes like so so if you're engaging in something where the context is is black what I say TGS is look everybody is welcome to come um in in into the gathering spot, but we have a perspective. It, the, the club has been curated yep. uh, by us for, for a specific us. community. If, if, if you're okay with that, which I, I imagine many folks are again, hip hop is the biggest form of music uh, in the world. Yeah, but I'm not engaging in a, in a small endeavor. I'm engaging in, in, and frankly, the largest opportunity that, that exists out there. Amen. I think that, that uh, clubs, that are focused on 60 plus year old white men, that's niche, <laughs> not, 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 not me. So like, I, I just think that, you know, we've, we've got to just like look at the numbers, take a step back and realize that a lot of those arguments are made to continue to discourage folks to get in the game and they're not based in any sort of reality. Yeah, I completely agree.
1: Uh, so talk to me about how you, how you, how you hone the model because you have the passion, right? And you hone the model for the operations part of it. Like, this is how we're going to make money. Like, what was the, what were the just basic tenets for how you were going about it and how you go about it now in terms of creating a passion that is centered on great things, but also making sure you have a a, a revenue model that is, that you can make money and that your investors could get a return on. Like, what were the couple of tenets that really made the difference and really uh, move gathering spot from your passion and concept to a functioning, thriving, uh, thriving, sustainable business.
0: Yeah, I mean, so uh, to the to the model piece, it takes uh, a tremendous amount of time to understand, the, and, and 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 sometimes iterations on on models in order to to get to the best one. Uh, for us, we did a lot of study of of businesses that were adjacent to what we were doing. So what we saw in those businesses were that um, membership dues and fees were an important part of the model. We saw that uh, in many instances, they had a restaurant and bar and that was a part of the model. And then what we added was event space. And so um, that's that is those are the core components of, of what we do. We host a lot of experiences. We operate a full restaurant and bar. Um, but the primary way that folks engage is through our uh, our membership uh, model. And that, and that ultimately is how the business has been uh, sustainable our, our entire time Awesome, so let, 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 let's talk about
1: now, how, what you just described makes total sense to me, specifically pre-pandemic, pre-COVID-19. The world changed a lot um, <laughs> with COVID-19, and and also you uh, we, we, we had the uh, uh, disruption for some, but reality for Black people in terms of the uh, uprisings that happened after the death of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, we can be on the rest of the show naming people. Uh, so talk to me about how if you have an event space that seems like it was definitely heavily dependent on having people present. And then you had this pandemic where you couldn't have people present. How did you pivot?
0: Yeah. So uh, funny enough, we actually we, we didn't pivot. And okay. it's important for me to to um, say a couple of things about this. First, and this is this is specific to our context. But the gathering spot, if you look at it through through the prism of space, then yes, we have event space. We, again, I just went through, we have a restaurant bar space, and that is a part of the offering. We look at the space, though, as more of a tool to do what my job is mostly about each day, which is connecting people and building community. So when you look um, at, at um, what happened last year, our setting had to shift like a lot of businesses. We couldn't do things in person. We had to go online. But the community aspect of TGS, which is, again, something that we had established pre-COVID in a way that was really, um, really a real thing. Sure. um, That didn't change. Our our retention rate last year was ninety nine percent. So also said differently, less than one percent last year of the membership left, uh, given what was going on. That speaks to and I, I'm extremely grateful to a, an internal team, but then also a membership community that understands that at the end of the day, our associations with one another and and, and uh, what will get us through this storm is staying together. And, and so that's what we were, were able to do last year. We hosted far less events. I mean, in 2019, we hosted 2400 functions. So I can't say that it wasn't meaningful that we weren't able to gather in person, but it, it was not devastating in the way. Um, uh, that that it could have been, <clears throat> had we focused the business on access to space and right. not prioritize the people aspects of what we do, and and given that that again was kind of a longstanding practice, right? Covid didn't didn't force us to shift our mission, but mainly just our setting.
1: I mean, you really re- you really said it well that that you focus that you realize the business that you're in, you're not in the business of event hosting. Or, or just to having space or running a restaurant, you're in the business of community and people. And as long as you kept that perspective, you just, okay. So we didn't really pivot. We just made sure we were still reaching the people in the way that they needed to be reached. And, and, that, and that, and that says a lot for why you were able to, to, to sustain.
0: I mean, I, I think for, for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, staying wedded to the, why you got started, what is the mission of the organization, Right. It, it, it starts to change this question of what a pivot is, especially during crisis, right? Because for many of us, the mission can't really ever change. Exactly. Circumstances will change all around us all the time, which will require us to to move a little bit differently, right? But you don't have to really change your why. So the why for us didn't change last year. The how. The right? how That's changed. All. and And the how is always going to change to a certain extent is how I looked at it. I mean, and look, I am not trying to downplay um, the 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 significance of what COVID brought, especially for black uh, yeah. black-owned businesses last year, no question. But right, if there's a group that is prepared to be able to weather and come out on the other side of that storm, it it is black entrepreneurs. We know crisis. We know we, we live crisis. No hard, yeah, <laughs> so, no hard yeah. circumstance. It really other communities that that outside of of the financial resources piece of this but just like mentally having the wherewithal to get through we have that because we we do that on an on an ongoing basis and so contextualized that way i think that again covid was very very rough um but i think that we will see a resurgence of of um our businesses in a way I agree. Because uh, I think this is a moment possible last year. Because I mean, look, we we know how to do this.
1: Yeah, we do. You and I talked about this offline, but this moment right now, the COVID nineteen, and also the combination of uh, the uh, awareness for Americans. were, I mean, we're it's, we're always aware that we're black. We're always aware that we don't have the same level of justice. But uh, right now, there is more attention. Uh, to it than it than it has been any time in my in my lifetime, I can say right i mean we're 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 young enough, we didn't live through the sixties and seventies, so yeah. in our lifetime, this is a really pivotal moment and i and I tell people that in combination of just the moment of what's going on on the internet, like the internet is having a moment uh just like it did when it first started in nineteen ninety nine when people really got into it, just like in around two thousand and tens when there started to be this uh, centralization of, uh, of uh, social media networks. Now we're in that third stage. And I believe COVID-19, Ryan, was a disruptor, but I believe it was more of an accelerator of trends. Like we were already going to go virtual. I think it just got us there faster. So I'm telling people right now, uh, you have to be, this is a moment in time. And if you're not in it, you're not looking for the opportunity. It will go past you. And then the door will shut. And yes. this is this is a this is a unique moment to me. Talk to talk to you about what you see is just the landscape because of COVID-19 and how I think it changed perspective. I, I do think we are going to be different now. There's there's a next normal and things are not going to be exactly like they were uh, before the pandemic. What are your thoughts on just like this moment and how speak a little more about how you think black and brown entrepreneurs okay. should be viewing this landscape in this moment right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This 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 is a, a really unique time um, and there are certain things that that will forever be changed. But I would, again, categorize most of those changes in the how uh, bucket and not the why. Yeah. right. And I think that what black folks are really good at being able to do is to come up with creative uh, new ways on how to do things. Right. And yeah. so that's why we're going to be able to meet the needs of this of this new moment. But I, I would I would question um, the, the folks that believe that the, the, the why is going to, to yeah. change the, why never changes the, the, the fundamentals are going to stay the fundamentals, right. And, and the trends that we're, if you're, we're seeing they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're new modes of communication and doing business with one another. Um, but I, I don't think that they're fundamentally revolutionizing our need for connection and, and community, Agreed. um, or, or creativity. I like, like I agree. These are all enhancements on those things, which, again, I think black folks are um, have have proven over time to be extremely well prepared to meet um, the, the the needs of of new trends. Right. So I, I look at it as 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 a, an amazing time to be black uh, for that reason alone, because we, we know how to we know how to create and uh, and do new stuff. And there's now needs others to follow.
1: You're right. And 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 the the why hasn't changed, but the, there are more <clears throat> opportunities, I would say. So when you look at like you and I, I mean, I used to have to do when I did my interviews, I, I, a lot of people wanted to do them in person. Like I'd rather meet you in person. Let me know when you come to Atlanta because I would come to Atlanta or other places and take. Yeah. But now it's it's I can do this and I'm still going to go in person. But the thing is, you can now take advantage and network with people in an additional way that has now been socialized. Like this wasn't you can now do you don't now, you, you now don't have to necessarily go out and meet with an investor in San Francisco, spend $2,000 to go down and sit with he or she just, you don't need to do that. Like You can Amen. now have a Zoom, have that presentation and get the funding without having to do any of that. I think there's an advantage there. I think there's an advantage to the democratization of this process. I think, as you know, we're building out an NFT platform. Like there is now, you can now build out platforms yep. and it's not so cost prohibitive where you don't, you don't have to have a million dollars up front in order to build things like that's not that's not the, that's not the entry point anymore. Uh, it's you still got to have some capital. You still got to have connections. You still got to build. You still got to do the basics. Yep. But there's more opportunity now. At least that's how I see it.
0: I I, I don't disagree. I think that it's, uh you know, again, the the, the fundamentals are going to stay the fundamentals. But I do think that this uh, this moment provides new opportunities and, and certainly is going to reduce the the price point uh to to for, for access to entry which will have even more creative people be able to get their exactly. across the finish line which exactly. is exactly cool <clears throat> so i want to
1: talk a little bit you got uh, you started off in atlanta atlanta was your, was your central point and there atlanta as your central point as an ecosystem why atlanta what's going on in atlanta that that is so unique and special it seems to be now from the center of the political universe too, right? And yeah. the, of the country at this point, more yeah. than people actually even realize. But talk to me about your love for Atlanta as an ecosystem and where you see Atlanta in terms of the, uh, the I would say, global perspective that's happening across the world.
0: I mean, with, with respect uh, to everywhere else, Atlanta is the most important city in the country right now. And um, there, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. But if you look at what's happening here, there are very few places where you have Colleges and universities at a, at a level that are significant, sitting next to a very legit startup ecosystem and, and a lot of amazing companies being started and grown here, sitting next to what we have, the third, third, I think the third highest concentration of Fortune 500, Fortune 500 headquarters in the city, sitting next to um, a creative community that can take those ideas and bring them all over the world that is extremely uh, a dangerous combination of of variables. When you add the importance now of politics nationally and on how Atlanta can play a role in, uh, in our, our political uh, environment, all of that makes, makes what's happening down here extremely important uh, to, to really everywhere else. So I don't think that there's any other city where, two 24 year olds can come uh, with an idea and have the city embrace us in a way where, at, in TGS in Atlanta, our youngest member is 21. Our oldest is 89 and Ambassador Andrew Young. <laughs> the idea that there is a place that, that again, the, the newest entrepreneurs in the city, the most seasoned uh, executives, and 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 legacy um almost institution uh figures like ambassador young all call home is is, um, is is what atlanta to me can only provide so awesome um yeah i'm 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 really i'm really bullish on all things Atlanta at the moment i think that this is a a very special time for the city, and folks uh, should be connected to the city. I'm not saying you have to live here, but it is yeah. important to be connected to some of the activity that's coming out of Atlanta, given the moment that it's happening. I completely agree.
1: What do you see as uh, I want to ask you one more question about the gathering spot, then a few kind of like legacy questions before we wrap up. What do you see as the what is the future of the gathering spot you're seeing five to 10 years from now? What do you envision the gathering spot? Where do you envision it being at and its impact and its scope
0: and its scale? Uh, we're we're going to continue to build clubs throughout the country. So Atlanta was the first club, DC was the second. Los Angeles is on its way. We're under construction, and uh, we'll make some announcements here soon about other cities. And yeah, so, I saw you have a connected cities uh, things going on too. So the yeah, you have the ap- opportunity to join the community. We haven't built uh, clubs in these cities yet, but in Detroit, Chicago, uh, New York City, Charlotte, and Houston as uh, cities where we're, we're building communities there with the goal of, of building physical locations in those cities um, in, in the short term. So my, my job is, is just that, uh, getting people together and then, and then getting them some space in order to be able to, to connect with one another. That's awesome.
1: All right. A few uh, legacy questions here. So what's an important truth you have that very few people agree
0: with you on? If people don't agree with me on, that's a tough one. It's um, I, I, <laughs> like I feel like I'm pretty agreeable. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if there's this. This is. Uh, I don't know if this. This counts as a ton of people not a- agreeing with me. But may- maybe. I, I think that the group that that uh, that disagrees really. Hopefully, they they change their mind here soon. But I think it's black not okay. Folks,
1: it's fine too. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think black folks are are over mentored and under resourced. I think a lot of people agree with me on the under-resourced piece, but not the over-mentor piece. And um, I think we've got to start to shift that narrative, understanding that the the real crux of the conversation for me is about the under-resourced part of it sure. and not the mentorship piece. I've, I've been in a lot of conversations uh, recently where... Um, there's a lot of disagreement about that and that, you know, folks really believe that it, it is indeed, uh, you know, mentorship or um, this education, particularly talking about in the context of of, of entrepreneurship. OK, um, that is the barrier to to success. And I just I disagree with that. I think that it's about black entrepreneurs and small businesses just not having the resources. How necessary. do you
1: think they define mentorship, the people that would disagree with you? Like, how do you think they what 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 what's their what's their beef for your disagreement from what you, from your conversations you've had on this?
0: I mean, they they like to meet a lot of the challenges that we have with, with, with to me, what amounts to, to coloring books to a, a very patronizing. <laughs> um, uh,
1: yeah, I actually agree know. with that. I mean, I think, I I, I, I think if we're talking real, right. I mean, there a lot of folks that say like, Oh, we're, we have a support program for black yeah, entrepreneurs, or they have these, even the whole most of the I, I'll be real straight with you. I think most of the the diversity and inclusion efforts, most of them are bullshit, right? They're just they're just to say, okay, this is what we do. We held a good party. Look, OK, whatever. But then they look when you
0: look at the results, nothing's really changed. So I agree I, with a you. a lot of them. A lot of them presuppose that the that the reason why black folks are not being successful in, in, in one way or the other is just that there's a there's a, a knowledge gap. And I'm not saying that for some folks there isn't a knowledge gap, but I know that there's a lot of folks that have the knowledge necessary and still can't get the resources. So exactly. There's I a reason there's, there's a resource gap. Yeah, I mean, look, 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 the question that we have to ask ourselves is that once you go and acquire all of this knowledge, do you have access then to the resources? And if you do, then where are they? Right. Because, I mean, if you look at the numbers on 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 this, we we are disproportionately uh, underfunded. And I'm not just talking about venture capital, I'm talking about traditional bank capital, yeah. Um, you know, traditional debt. We we don't we don't have access um, to to those platforms. And so, yeah, yeah again, I, I think that that. Um, a lot of folks disagree with the perspective that we have to spend less time uh, lecturing Black folks around what information they 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 don't have and more time trying to figure out how we're going to get them uh, resources so that yeah, they can put those ideas in the marketplace like everybody else.
1: I completely agree. And, and how I see, you know, the only thing I can see is if it's, to me, because I don't think it's real mentorship, like a real mentorship – is someone giving you connections and getting you the resources you need. And it's, it's, it's not, it's sometimes capital, it's often capital, but it's not always directly capital. Well, sometimes you can partner with a corporation that can be your back support for something, they can do all your advertising, so that saves you capital, or they can give you, uh, they can give you support, not always knowledge you need, but sometimes you just need the infrastructure that a larger organization can give. Exactly. But, if you're, but if your network is not providing you more net worth, it's not a real network. <laughs> So I mean like it's so to me when people talk like it's it's not it's this false sense of what it really means and it is kind of patronizing like oh well we have a program where we just talk to folks like okay so how is the program tell me how 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 is connected it to opportunities if it's a corporation into the supply chain uh, tell me about how much dollars you've invested because if your programs don't do that they're they don't count. That's what I so I think you and I agree there. So uh if you had a if you had a a, a, a team of advisors, uh, you get to pick three people, living or dead, to advise you on life, business, personal. These people again, they can be living or dead. Who would they be,
0: and why? We start really close to home. I'm I'm fortunate. That my parents are entrepreneurs, and so um, my my dad is, is has been an advisor through this process uh, the the entire time. Um, I'd add to that. Uh, Reginald Lewis, um, for, I think his mindset was, um, the, the one that, that is needed me I mean he was extremely successful in business. Um, and I, the third one tough for me. I, I, I would, I would get a different perspective in there outside of business and, and add someone like a Ta-Nehisi Coates, like a, like a writer, someone that is uh, deeply interested in talking about, uh, issues that are, that are important in our community and, and how we, we ultimately will, will overcome. All right. Final question. You have a billboard or Google ad
1: that summarizes or says the theme of who you are, or you're saying in life. What is that and why?
0: That I'm a community builder. and that, That's it.
1: Yeah. And you have spoke to uh, why that is and who you are at this moment. We got, look, we got a lot of things we need to build. So I appreciate what you guys are doing at the Gathering Spot. Look for opportunities where we can uh, hopefully collaborate because I do love what you guys are doing. And I, and I do think As uh, folks are ecosystem uh, building for black and brown entrepreneurs and artists and creators, Uh, Atlanta has to be at the center of it because that's just the the center of the, the, the universe right now in terms of that. And I think it will be for the foreseeable future. So I appreciate what you're doing. Look forward to the future collaborations. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.